everybody, and welcome to the next edition of the Weekly Impact Podcast. It's always good to have you back. Um, as always, I am Brent Smith, uh, here hosting the podcast with you. Today, I am joined by... Jacob Kingsley. And Daniel Yelverton. Yes, sir. And um, as always, I'm Jacob <laughs> Kingsley. That's right, yeah. And as always, I'm Daniel. <laughs> That's good, because if you were somebody else, I might be worried. It's yeah. weird. <laughs> um, today, our chapter that we're going to get into is chapter one... And the only chapter yep. of the book of Philemon. So we're so, doing a one chapter and a book all in one time. This is a special podcast. It's a special treat. It Soak really it is. up. <laughs> yeah. You guys are listening to a whole book of the Bible right now. Um, so we're going to go ahead and get into that in a second. We'll do a little bit of setup. We'll run you through soap again in case this is your first time. Um, Jacob, we go through soap real quick for us and tell them what method we use to go through the podcast. Yeah, Please. absolutely. So each week when we go over the chapter a day, uh, we have four steps. The first is scripture. And so we just read the scripture for what it is. And we use the ESV um, so that way everybody can, can follow along and know exactly where we're at. The second is, oh, the observations. We talk about what stood out. Was there anything confusing, any specific words that we might need to talk about? Then the A is application. We want to know how do we take this chapter of the Bible and actually apply it to our lives? How do we make it have an impact in our own life? And then the last is prayer because we can do all this work, but without um, God in our lives and that strength that comes through prayer um, that's that last step that really binds it all together. So that's soap. All right. Well, thank you very much. Um, like he said, we do read through the ESV version of the Bible, so if you want to read along with us as we go, that is the recommended version. Any version will work, but it just can get a little confusing with the way things are worded in different versions. Um, so we'll go ahead and get into the Scripture reading here today. I uh, just wanted to give you a heads up. When we get done reading the Scripture, we have a video that um, we got the audio for, and we are going to play that. It's from the Bible Project. It's uh, Read Scripture. Is that what it is? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's about this, this chapter in this book as well, and it explains a little bit more about the context of what we're reading. So um, we'll go ahead and get into the scripture here, and uh, Daniel, will you start, please? Sure. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved fellow worker, and Apphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have toward the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required... Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus. I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but by your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. 
So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of you owing me even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit from you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write to you, knowing that you will do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristarchus, Damas, and Luke, my fellow workers. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. All right. Um... A lot of names in there. Mm-hmm. A lot. <laughs> um, so right now, like I said before, we're going to go ahead and throw to this video. Um, we've mentioned it before on here a time or two, but it's a great resource for you if you want to have a little bit more of a depth of understanding on what we're getting into. And the reason why we're doing this is that there's a lot of backstory to this letter. There's so much that's happened that's an interaction with Philemon, Onesimus, and all kinds of stuff that's going on. And um, this is a not only is it a great resource, but it does a great summary of telling kind of what's going on in the background so you, we can really understand what Paul is trying to convey here in his letter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's the Bible Project. Paul's letter to Philemon. It was written during one of Paul's many imprisonments, and it's actually his shortest letter in the New Testament, but don't let its size trick you. It's actually one of the most explosive things that Paul ever wrote. Here's the backstory that we can piece together from details within the letter. Philemon was a well-to-do Roman citizen from Colossae who likely met Paul during his mission in Ephesus and he became a follower of Jesus. Then later, when Paul's co-worker Epaphras started a Jesus community in Colossae, Philemon became a leader of a church that met in his house. Now, Philemon, like all household patriarchs in the Roman world, owned slaves, one of whom was named Onesimus. And at some point, these two had a serious conflict. Onesimus wronged Philemon in some way. Maybe it was theft, or maybe he cheated him. We don't exactly know. But afterwards, Onesimus ran away. Eventually, Onesimus came to Paul in prison, likely to appeal for help. And in the process, he became a follower of Jesus and then a beloved assistant of Paul. And so Paul finds himself in a very difficult and delicate situation as he writes this letter. He's going to ask Philemon not just to forgive Onesimus and receive him back, but to embrace him as a brother in the Messiah and no longer as a slave. Here's how he does it. Paul opens with a prayer, first praising Philemon and thanking God for the love and faithfulness he's shown to Jesus, to his people. And he then paves the way for his request with this line. I pray that the partnership that springs from your faith may effectively lead you to recognize all the good things that work in us, leading us into the Messiah. Now, a key word here is partnership, or in Greek, koinonia. It means sharing or mutual participation. It's when two or more people receive something together and share in it, becoming partners. Paul's saying that faithfulness to Jesus means recognizing that all of his followers are equal partners who share together in the gift of God's love and grace. 
And for Paul, this experience of koinonia among Jesus' followers, it's not just an idea that you think about, it's something that you do in your relationships. Which moves Paul onto his request. He finally brings up Onesimus. He says that he's become Paul's child in prison meaning that Paul led Onesimus to dedicate his life and allegiance to Jesus. And so Paul and Onesimus are now family members in the Messiah. He's been serving Paul faithfully in prison. And even though Paul wants to keep him around, he knows that this unresolved conflict with Philemon has to be reconciled if they say that they're followers of Jesus. Which moves Paul on to his bold request that Philemon receive Onesimus back no longer as a slave, but as more than a slave as a beloved brother in the Lord. Now, this is a really tall order. Under Roman law, Philemon had every legal right to have Onesimus punished or put in prison. And Paul's not only asking him to forgive Onesimus, but to welcome back his former slave into Colossae as a social equal, as a family member. This is way more than kindness. This is unheard of. It's freeing a slave and then treating them like a family member. It upsets the status quo of the Roman social order. Why should Philemon do such a thing? And here Paul pulls a brilliant move. He recalls that key word from the opening prayer. He says, if you're truly a partner with me, it's that Greek word koinonia again, then welcome Onesimus as if he were me. And if he's wronged you or owes you anything, charge it to me and I will repay it. So in this request, we see the heart of Paul's gospel message being acted out. It's first of all about reconciliation. It's just like he told the Corinthians. In the Messiah, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting people's sins against them. So in this situation, Paul is putting himself in the place of Jesus. He will absorb the consequences of Onesimus' wrongdoing. He will pay the cost so that he can be reconciled to Philemon. But Paul's message was about more than just a legal transaction. It's also about koinonia. Onesimus and Philemon and Paul are all equals before God. They all share the same need for forgiveness. And so the ground is level before the cross, which means that Philemon and Onesimus can no longer relate to each other as master and slave. They're family members. They're brothers in the Messiah. Or as Paul told Philemon and the whole church of Colossae, in God's new family, people are not Greek or Jewish or circumcised or uncircumcised or foreigners or uncivilized or slave or free, but the Messiah is all and is in all people. Paul closes the letter stating his confidence that Philemon will do even more than Paul's requested. And he asks him to prepare a guest room because he wants to visit as soon as he gets out of prison. And then with some final greetings, Paul ends the letter. Paul's letter to Philemon is powerful for many reasons. It's the only letter where Paul doesn't explicitly mention Jesus' death or resurrection, and this is not an oversight. He doesn't need to explain the cross with words because he's demonstrating it through his actions. Paul's embodying here the meaning of the cross. He has made himself the place through which Onesimus and Philemon are reconciled to God and then to each other. This letter also shows us that the implications of the good news about Jesus, they are extremely personal and never private. The fact that Philemon and Onesimus are now brothers in the Messiah, it makes their master-slave relationship totally irrelevant. 
The family of Jesus' people is the place where all are equal recipients of God's grace. It's a new kind of society or a new humanity, as he called it in the letter to the Colossians, where people's value and social status, it's not defined by race or gender or social or economic class. In the Messiah, there are simply new humans who are equal partners who share together in God's healing mercy through Jesus. And that's what Paul's letter to Philemon is all about. All right, and that's it for the Bible Project excerpt that we had there. Um, Really good stuff. What do you guys think about that? I mean, it did our job for us. (laughs) Yeah, I I think it really did a great job of uh, breaking down really what was behind all the letter Mm -hmm. and even giving a little bit of backstory about uh, what what had happened between Onesimus and Philemon, and um, I think you hear really at the heart of it, it is a, it is flipping the culture upside down, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what Jesus even came to do anyway. So that He brought not only a new He brought new commandments, He brought the kingdom of God and revealed the kingdom of God and how it actually works mm-hmm. down to earth. And earth had its own way of doing things. It's got its own systems. It's got its own way of doing religion and politics and everything like that and this is exploding all of that because it is uh, prioritizing relationships and people over status Uh, it it is elevating the family of Christ over um, employee employer relationships over even natural family relationships uh, as Jesus talked about a lot in uh, in his ministry And, and so it changes everything we have to rework our entire operating system when it comes to uh, the kingdom of God, because mm-hmm. it is change. It, it is constantly challenging us on every different level, uh, and we see it especially here. And not only like an employee-employer relationship that we have, but also someone that's wronged you, someone that has betrayed you, someone has who has ran away from you or turned your back on you. How do you respond to them? as a brother or sister in Christ mm-hmm. and what do you what are you supposed to do in the situation so i think it it really highlights a lot of those issues mm-hmm. that we face even now yeah, yeah i think so too and i i was really impressed with it um because i read the scripture first and then i listened to that and man that just expands so much of the story that mm-hmm. i didn't pick up on i was a little bit truthfully confused about what was going on because this letter is worded very differently than a lot of paul's right. other letters and I knew something was going on there, something different, mm-hmm. but it, without that backstory, I wouldn't have known right. nearly as much. I think uh, this book is a, a great example of why we need the context, because so much of the application and the understanding of it is not in the words that we read, mm-hmm. that it's through understanding that, oh, Onesimus was a slave and Philemon was his owner and he ran away and now Paul is sending him back to him, yeah. things that you don't necessarily pick up right away. Um, that's that's so important for us understanding what's actually behind the heart of this because um, one thing, one of my observations I thought was really cool is Paul doesn't go into theology or doctrine like so many other um, that we've been going through for Second Timothy and, and Titus and talking about how he's teaching them what is the sound doctrine and avoiding false teachers and he doesn't touch on any of that. Yeah. It's all about the relationships with people and it's important to see that that Paul applies the gospel to more than just things you know or doctrines, mm-hmm. that who Jesus is and what he's done for us has to affect how we relate to other people. Yeah. And it shows, too, I really um, 
was impressed with. It shows Paul's leadership, like his boldness in a yeah. way to talk to his, his people, you know, like mm-hmm. um, when he said, and, and he kind of does it in like a complimentary kind of backhanded kind of way um, where he's like, hey, you know, I know that you'll do, you know what I mean? Like he's <laughs> like, I'm, I'm sending this to you because I have faith. I know that you will do this and you'll do it even better than I think you'll do. And, and that's a hard thing to ask. I mean, mm-hmm. he's taken back, he's asking him to, take back somebody that's wronged him deeply that was his slave before not just somebody that he felt like was his equal and um for him to just kind of gently ease that in there in that way i just thought it was really cool to see because i had never seen that out of paul Mm -hmm. before but i think what's really cool like when you bring that up is that um there is he's definitely shrewd in his why he's writing his letter and uh, and what he's saying but i think he's also appealing to a right perspective Mm -hmm for Philemon and I think that's really powerful because I think a lot of times when we read scripture sometimes we will take our situation and we'll be like I don't know how I can apply this to my situation like like we're supposed to forgive others like you don't know what this person's done for me how am I supposed to forgive like how am I supposed to forgive this betrayal what am I supposed to do here and a lot of times like we'll read because of Christ or uh, in light of what Christ has done for us in light of God's mercy and it's almost like we we have to break apart our uh, the way we just view the economics and the social relationships that we have in this world and bring in God and what He has done for us and all of the things that He uh, is putting on us and all that we have when we are connected with Him mm. and infuse that into our relationships and let and and almost surrender to it, like allow it to come and change the way that we interact with people uh, because this type of thing is not normal. You know, Mm -hmm. this response is not normal. And uh, like they said in the Bible Project, it was totally upsetting the social structure uh, of where I think in part of them, the pullback would be wanting to defend the way of life, you know, wanting to defend the way that things have always been. Mm -hmm. We need to defend that because that's what keeps order in our society. And this is totally disrupting it because it's, it's really, it's, it's asking, it's putting God's kingdom and his will in the way it functions and the way it works and how it interacts with people and how forgiveness works and brings it down here, Mm -hmm. which is, which is amazing. I mean, that's mm-hmm. honestly what we're called to uh, right. as followers of Jesus is to be God's ambassadors, to be the ones that, that, are, that are pleading on behalf of everything that the kingdom of heaven stands for here on earth. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah absolutely. I think um, something that's being touched on here, like you were just saying, is so often even in our culture and specifically in, in this context, Philemon had the right to punish Onesimus, to, um, you know, sell him off, to do whatever he wanted. That didn't mean that in the eyes of Jesus that was the right thing to do. So often, even I get caught up in looking at, you know, just our culture and society, and I say, I have the right to do this. I can do this. It's acceptable for me to do this, but that doesn't mean that in the eyes of Jesus it's the right thing to do. Yeah. And I think when when Paul is appealing to Philemon and he says I know you're going to do this it's because he knows the spirit that is alive inside of Philemon Mm. he knows that Jesus is speaking to Philemon to get that right perspective and so I think that's something sorry to jump a little into application today but so often I think we get timid and shy 
in approaching other believers and saying, you know, this is the mindset of Jesus. And I don't know if that's in you right now, but, you know, challenging them because there's that verse in the Bible, judge not lest ye be judged. And we can't judge. We can't tell other people how to live. Mm-hmm. And I think Paul is just like, no, like if that spirit of Jesus is alive in somebody, you need to encourage them to that standard. You need to hold them to that standard. And he does it in love. Mm -hmm. He's not harsh. He's not condemning Philemon. But he says, I know that you are going to see it this way because Jesus is alive in you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, And seeing him use that way to convey it in love and doing it in a gentle manner, um, Something else that I noticed that I have actually learned through us doing this podcast that I'm hoping others have caught as well, when Paul made a point in the letter to say, I write this with my own hand, because we've talked about how normally he has somebody, Mm -hmm. is it dictate for it? Is that what it is? He dictates. He dictates. He's like a scribe or stenographer. Stenographer? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. something like that. Court stenographer. (laughs) Yeah. So when he made a point to say, you know, I'm writing this with my own hand, I knew that he was really really trying to get the emphasis mm-hmm. across to to who he's writing yeah. this to so i thought that was cool to see mm-hmm. that kind of was like a little red flag for me now that i've actually learned that yeah and I, and i think what's really amazing is that um kind of going back to this back and forth kind of conflict that we have when it comes to relationships and dealing with people and really trusting whether god's kingdom and god's way of doing things is actually the right way of doing things because um, these are all believers. So Philemon's a believer, Onesimus is a believer, and Paul's a believer. And so they're, he's Paul's appealing to him on behalf of his now new faith in Christ, but he's also knows that he's pushing against something that's already established as far as a social norm mm-hmm. or a way that things are done or the fact that basically Philemon, like you said earlier, Jacob, is entitled. He's entitled to yeah. uh, punish Onesimus. And I think what's amazing is that I think there is something that we admire naturally about people that leverage power for other people, mm-hmm. uh, even though it's not it, it's not an inclination of the powerful. The powerful are not always naturally inclined to be powerful for other people. Usually, they're powerful for themselves. And I think there's this there's this awful temptation or trap that comes whenever we have an upper hand in some form or fashion, whether it's um, economically. Uh, politically, socially, or even relationally. Like like Philemon has the upper hand in this situation. and uh, But the almost when we infuse the gospel, we admire and we hold in high esteem the people that are willing to forego their entitlement, to forego their rights, just kind of like how Jesus did. How he had foregone his rights as Lord, as God, creator of all things, even though he had, like Philippians 2 says, even though uh, he had equality with God, he didn't consider equality with God something to be grasped, and so he submitted himself. And Jesus even said this in the last parts of his ministry, he says, I didn't come to serve, but I came, uh, to be served, but I came to serve and give my life as a ransom for many. This is when he was washing the disciples' feet. Mm -hmm. And and so I think that... um, we all have an amazing opportunity when we have leverage in some form or fashion to be exactly what Jesus is calling us to be and to be the kingdom of God coming down when we don't apply that leverage for our own benefit. Instead, we do it for the benefit of others. Mm-hmm. And, and for me, that's kind of this huge undertone that's happening in this relationships. And, and not even just 
um, not even just the specific relationship, whether it's employee or employer relationship or somebody that's wronged you, but if you would take that and apply that to every relationship, that you seek the interests of others and that you look to honor other people and that you take whatever you have that could benefit you and you push it for the benefit of others, how we are embodying uh, exactly what Christ's ministry is and we're embodying the kingdom of heaven and that response that methodology for relationships is what is the most powerful gospel tool the most powerful message for the kingdom of God is when we can love others the way that Christ has loved us mm-hmm. and and so I think that I love this book even though it's so small but it gives us a, just a snapshot of of what it actually looks like to apply the gospel, to put it in action, to take it from theory and to take it from, oh, the two commands we have are to love God, love others. We're supposed to, Jesus gave us a new commandment, love others the way that Christ has loved you and put it into action, Mm -hmm. like actually apply it. Um, So, so yeah, so any other observations before we go into application or I I didn't want to I think an observation that'll go into application um, is is how this book and the whole situation also kind of gives some commentary on authority. How how do we relate to authority when we have authority and when we are under authority? Mm. Because we can look now backwards and, you know, hopefully anybody should have been able to see this, but slavery is wrong. Slavery is not something to be desired. God has created all men and women of equal status in his eyes. But at the same time, Onesimus was a slave. Paul sends him back to his master. And so Paul is not endorsing slavery here. Um, I think what we see in the Bible a lot is we are not always in control of what authority has been placed over us. Sometimes it's unjust. Sometimes it's not fair to us. Sometimes we don't get what we deserve. Um, It's not enjoyable. But what we are responsible for is how do we submit to that authority in our life in a way that models how God has submitted or how Jesus has submitted to God, his father. Mm. And so I think it's really interesting because we can look at Philemon, but at the same time, we can be like, oh, poor Onesimus, but Onesimus also disobeyed his master. He did something. He stole something, maybe ran away. And it's when he goes to Paul that he accepts Christ, that he sees that new outlook. And he says in his own heart, the mind of Christ is to submit to authority. And so it's easy for us to look up and be like, those people in authority over me, they need to get their Jesus act together and they need to treat me better. But at the same time, as me as somebody who is under authority, I need to have the mindset of Jesus and how I relate to that as well. Yeah. And I mean, I thought it was really cool the way in the, um, it, you guys, uh, the Bible project stuff that we that we just played and that we talk about all the time, it's a video on YouTube and they do really cool illustrations with it. I thought it was really neat the way that they illustrated how Paul stepped in almost in the role of Jesus to kind of take that burden upon himself and, and do that for reconciliation to happen between the two of them. I mean, they actually had him standing there with his arms out to them and outlined the cross behind him. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought that was really neat just to see how Paul stepped into that position Mm -hmm. to do that, to say, Hey, you know, forgive him whatever he owes you take that out of me instead you know Mm -hmm. i thought that was really cool but i think what's great is that that's us like when we do that like when we forgive others even though we 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 may think that we're entitled to not forgive them or when we 
uh, sacrifice in a way, or we even submit to authority, like you said, Jacob. I think that was a really great point of what mm-hmm. you were making about authority there. That that we're actually becoming, uh, we're taking on the mindset of Christ, and it's Christ who lives in us. Mm-hmm. And to bridge that relationship for and be Christ in that, um, I think sets a different priority when it comes to relationship. It it shifts what we can. Um, I, I, yeah, I think it just. Sorry. Yeah, it just shifts yeah. priority when it comes mm-hmm. to how we relate to people. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that kind of covers application as well, right? right? I, I think one thing to, to just kind of, okay, mm-hmm. I think one thing to, with application, though, is to is to say, all right, you may be now coming into the faith or you're working through your faith and you have things in your past that you're probably not too proud of. You have things that you... Uh, have either betrayed people, you've hurt people, or you've just have broken relationships. And I think you have two people that have come to the faith uh, that have a history, that have something where they've wronged one another. And uh, I think there is a high importance in trying to pursue reconciliation, especially for mm-hmm. things maybe even before you came to you became to know G- you before you came to Jesus, uh, because. Uh, what that does is that we're new. We're a new creation now, mm-hmm. and um, to to take the role of Onesimus and to go back and to apologize and to come back in uh, submission and ask for forgiveness and to pursue reconciliation, and uh, and e- or maybe you're in the role of Philemon where you somebody's wronged you and they're coming back to you and you feel like you can even hold it over their head. And I think that there's an mm-hmm. op- awesome opportunity to take the mindset of Christ yeah. and to extend forgiveness, understanding that you've been forgiven of so much. Mm-hmm. And so uh, I, I think one part of the application is, is we would encourage you to pursue reconciliation in the relationships that you have, may have find brokenness in. Jesus even said that before you go to the altar, if you have something wrong with your, uh, or you have an offense to your brother, uh, go be reconciled. It's more important that you be reconciled than it is to come necessarily to worship God. God wants you to be reconciled to your neighbor, to your friends, to your family. Uh, and so it places a priority on that. Now, that may not be able to happen tomorrow, but when you pursue it, when you pursue reconciliation, uh, Romans 12 talks about uh, every uh, to live at peace with others um, as much as it's up to you live at peace with people and try to pursue that reconciliation. And so that's a big part of application for me is, is even though it might be hard, you know, pursuing the person that you may have wronged or the person that's wronged you so that you can hopefully be reconciled to them. Yeah. And I think too, like that can be the hardest part is as much as it's up to mm-hmm. you. So you can do all you can do, but if they still won't come your right. way, it's going to be hard to mm-hmm. live in that space, but that's what you're called to do. Yeah. I mean, in this chapter, in this book, we see both sides of the story. But Paul is, you know, he says, Philemon, you, I know you're going to do this. I have faith that you're going to do this. But Philemon was receiving Onesimus without a promise, without a guarantee that Onesimus might not steal from him again. Onesimus was traveling back to Philemon without the promise that Philemon might still punish him, yeah. that they knew and they were stepping into that role of Jesus without regard to the outcome to themselves, which I think so often I'll go and I'll try and make something right with somebody because I hope it'll lead to them admitting that they did something wrong and it'll help (laughs) me feel better. And I think that role of Jesus is to be Jesus even without, you know, the result that we want. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's good. All right, so let's go ahead and close up with prayer. Um, 
Dan, you want to go ahead and take it, please? Yeah, that'd be great. Lord, I just um, thank you so much for this time. And God, I just I ask for forgiveness for my own pride or insecurity that prevents me from being reconciled to people that I've hurt or have hurt me. And God, I just pray that you would help me uh, with the opportunities to be reconciled to people because you prioritize and desire people above everything else. And so, Lord, I just um, I pray that uh, from this uh, scripture and from this truth and even from this podcast, God, there would be a wave of reconciliation that would go out and that, um, and Lord, that there would be just uh, people reunited with people, God, under the bonds of forgiveness and under the fact that we have so much grace through you, Jesus. And so help us to trust you, Lord, with the process of reconciliation and with the process of broken relationships. It's so hard and it's so challenging. And so, God, I just pray that you would give us wisdom, uh, lead us with your Holy Spirit, God, and how we should uh, honor you in our relationships, pursue reconciliation, but ultimately, God, give you the authority and the power to draw people to yourself and to reveal your love and and faithfulness and forgiveness to them. Uh, Maybe it's through us and maybe it's not, but God, as much as it is uh, on our Uh, in our strength and in our effort through you, God, help us to be reconciled and to forgive others and to receive forgiveness the way you would desire us to do that. And so, uh, Christ, we just want to model you in the best way possible in our relationships and in our lives. Uh, Thank you so much that you are patient with us and that you allow us to participate in the process of bringing people to you through the relationships that we have. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, everybody, that wraps us up for another episode. That was, I feel like that was a good conversation today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did. I feel like I need to go give somebody a hug. <laughs> All right, you guys, thank you so much. Um, we will be back soon, as always. Uh, it's great to have you here, and um, that finishes up for today. So uh, for the Weekly Impact Podcast and for Elevation Community Church here in Blanchester, Ohio, we thank you so much for joining us, and we will talk to you next week. Bye.